Oh, everybody take a deep breath and blow it at me. It's hot in here. Wow. Are y'all okay? I'm so glad I'm the preacher because I had this fan up here. I mean, it is so still not really helping, but whatever. It's there and it's yellow and it's blowing. That's good. Um, wow. Well, this is a surprise, isn't it? Go to church in a health simulator? Who does that? Today, when I give the altar call, people are going to be repenting. I'll be like, you think this is hot? You should try hell. And I'll be like, save me, Lord. Right? Wow. The good news is all the fanning that's going on is going to create some kind of air thing, circulation, right? And um, well, I'll be, or we'll just lose lots of water weight today, one or the other. I don't know. I'll try to talk fast not make you stay here any longer than you have to. Um, so let's just jump right into it, shall we? Uh, we're doing this, um, if you're new here, we, we do a lot of series. Um, we do a lot of book series, so we'll like pick a book in the Bible and kind of go through it. Um, it kind of keeps me on track. I'm a little bit ADD sometimes, and so it keeps us moving in a certain or area, a certain order. But um, we really felt like over the summer, God was just saying, don't do that and just chill. Um, and so we started what we're calling it the unseries, because it's the anti-series. It's not really a series. Um, and it's just all it is is like collection of words that start with un. There's, that's all they have in common. And so every week you get an un, another unword. Um, Jerry had mentioned while we were singing about unwavering. That was last week's. Um, today, we, I say um a lot. We should have done the um series. That would have been good. So today's word is unexpected. That's the word today. And uh, let me tell you why. Because today is June the 22nd. And um, 16 years ago today, we had two unexpected surprises. Will and Parker turned 16 today. Yeah. You're famous. Now, right away what you're thinking is, so you didn't know that they were coming? Because are you stupid? Could you not? Did you just think your wife was getting fat? What was going on? No, no, we knew they were coming. I mean, we'd been to the doctor. We'd had, like, the ultrasounds. We didn't have the cool 3D ultrasounds, which are awesome now. And, and to be honest with you, the 3D ultrasounds are a little scary to me. They look like aliens inside your belly. But whatever. I mean, I don't take that personally. If you've had one, you think your kid's fantastic and beautiful and all that. I just think you, they look like aliens. But we didn't have that. We knew we were having boys. We knew that they were, you know, we were having twins. We knew all that stuff. We had, I mean, we had, we knew they were coming. We just didn't know they were coming that day. So here's how the story goes for us, right? Um, we, we go, I go to work, and I come home at lunch, and Wendy has her bags packed, and I'm like, why do you have your bags packed? Because it's seven weeks before the due date. And she said, because I'm going to the doctor today, but I've been like doing everything I can to make these contractions stop, and I just don't know. I think today might be the day. And I said, Satan, get behind me, right? Because like seven weeks early, not, not going to happen. So we, we got in the car, and we went to the doctor, and the doctor's exam went kind of like this. So let's take a look at how, hey, you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> and so we got in the car, and we went to the hospital. The problem for us was we were in Lake Wiley at the time, living in Clover, South Carolina, a fantastic little town in South Carolina, and we were going to Rock Hill to the doctor, and then we went from Rock Hill to um, Pineville for the delivery. It's a long drive when your wife is screaming like a demon. <clears throat> never had a child. I'm not saying that in jest. If I had a child, I would scream like a demon that was a girl. I'm sure I would. I have no doubt. 
So we're driving up the road. I'm driving, of course, and she's in the passenger seat. And she is, I mean, she's going through it. So to every woman in this room that has ever birthed a child, I bow to you. Okay, I'm just bowing to you right now. I hope you can feel the wind coming from the, the air that I'm moving. But I'm an idiot because I'm a guy. And so as we're driving to the hospital and she's like turning all shades of red and stuff and veins are popping out and she's like, I, I just, I said this. I don't know what you would have said. Probably something a lot better than this. But I, I said to my wife, on Interstate 77, somewhere between Rock Hill and Matthews, I bet this is the really hard labor they talked to us about. <laughs> My hard labor came later. <laughs> we get to the hospital, and we walked in, and we went to the, to, to the desk, the little check-in desk, the little kiosk, whatever they have there, and my wife, who is by now looking like, kind of like an alien, she's, um, she's like, I, I need to get in here. And they're like, we have paperwork for you to fill out. You don't say that to a pregnant woman ever, but especially not when she's like got a head popping out of her. It wasn't that bad, but close. We finally get down there. They don't give her a wheelchair. We get in the room and we're waiting and they go to get like the nurse because the nurse has to come and give the first exam before they get the real doctor. And so the nurse comes in and says, hey, let's take a look. This is a trend for us today, right? Let's take a look. And when she looks, she's like, I'll be right back. I don't know what you did, honey, but that was awesome. Like, you are amazing, right? And shut up. And so eventually, we have the boys. Um, at, the Parker was born first at 440. He likes to tell Will that. And then Will came later at 502. It's a long time between two children. And what we remember about Will's birth is that we had this doctor. He was real Southern. Um, and so, like, when you know, what your doctor was probably like Harvard grad, and he was like, well, looky here, a child, <laughs> you know. But our doctor was like, looky here, it's a boy. Wow. So you popped off the John Deere to deliver my kid. That's awesome. So Parker comes out first. And then, um, and then you know, they had given Wendy the shot for the drugs, which didn't work. And it wore off. And then she was in pain. And then they're like, you know, I don't know if, if Will's going to come out right. And we might need to, we might need to like, do a C-section. I'm... Like, I'm a man. I don't know how this is supposed to work, but I don't think you're supposed to deliver one baby, like, the right way or the, the normal way and then do another, like, 20 minutes later, a C-section. Don't think that's the way it's supposed to work. We might want our money back. <laughs> so we did what anybody would do. We started praying. I, I'm, I'm praying, and she's screaming, and I'm sure that sounded like a prayer to God. And for whatever reason, Will eventually, he, he turned, and then he came out 22 minutes later. And um, here's the thing. I didn't get to cut the umbilical cord. They were seven weeks early. So when they came out, um, Will weighed 2 pounds and 15 ounces, and, and Parker was a heavyweight. He was 314. We joked later when we had Sydney how Sydney weighed more than the boys combined. When we walk in as pastors and see the babies that some of you guys are putting out that are like 8, 9, 10 pounds, I'm just like, I'm building statues to the moms. Like, I'm just amazed. We just, we, we'll get in the elevator, and Wendy look at me, and she go, how in the world? Did that get out of that, right? Um, it, it, we, we didn't get to do any of that. Seven weeks early, they took them immediately into the, um, the NICU. They told us that we would probably not get to take them home for months. Um, I worked in Lake Wiley, so it's not like we lived so close. It was crazy. And um, we'll talk about it as we go along. But I want you to know, we get unexpected. 
Totally get it. And here's the three things I want you to learn today, okay? I'm, I'm, I really don't want to talk to you a long time. I want to try. I'm trying to get so much better about talking shorter. So I want to make sure you get this, okay? There's, there's, we're going to call them three stages, okay? Just three stages that we go through. We'll talk a little bit about David this morning. So if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17, we'll be there quite a bit. You don't have to. I'll read it to you if you want me to. But um, here's, here's the three things. Just remember three words. Prepare, declare, and share. So here's, here's number one. We prepare before the unexpected. I want to make sure that you know this. Um, what do you think that Wendy and I did for 30-some-odd weeks leading up to that day? Anybody want to take a guess what we were doing in our house? We were building cribs. Um, well, okay, I was getting people to help me build cribs. Um, we were painting um, furniture. We were putting up decorations. We, we were praying. I, I literally for... All the months that we knew that we had children inside of Wendy, I, we went to bed every night, and I would take my hand, and I would put it on their, on their heads in the womb, and I, we would pray. We named them early on. We didn't pray baby A, baby B. We knew that we were having two boys, and so they were named Parker and Will before they were ever born, and we would go to bed every night, and I would lay next to my wife, and you know, as her belly grew and parts of them stuck out, I would just put my hand on them, and, we, and I'd say, God, this is Parker. You put your hand on him. I'm putting my hand on him. We ask for you to bless him. We prayed for Will. So much so that I found out after they were born that I had spent most of that time praying with my hand on Parker's butt. <laughs> I thought it was his head. I mean, even today, if you look at him close, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was just the part that stuck out. And so I just, like, so apparently I mean, he's got a really, really blessed butt. You'll never hear a pastor say that again, but I prayed for months over his butt. Anyway. We, I want, the point is, we prepared, okay? Do you understand that? So prepared, it's not like when we say unexpected, you, you shouldn't get ready for it. You, you have to get ready. We prepared. Uh, what you'll see in the story of David is, is this. Um, before he ever fought a giant, he was, the Bible says, he was faithful keeping sheep. So he's keeping his dad's sheep. And while he's keeping his dad's sheep, he takes care of a lion and he takes care of a bear. So he's doing things way before he ever sees the big giant. He's preparing. How, how irresponsible would it have been if we had just sat around acting like we're never going to have a kid? And then all of a sudden we have two kids. No. Uh, if you're an investor, I don't know if you are. I, I'd like to be. Um, if you're an investor, you've, you've heard this disclaimer. It's on every portfolio you'll ever see past performance is not indicative of future results it's just the way for them to cover their butt right because if you look at it and go well the track record of this particular mutual fund is 28 percent return every year for the last 300 years and then you invest your money and the one year you invested it goes down you can't sue them because they have that on the portfolio yeah yeah i know i know it's been that way for 300 years but past performance is not indicative of future results. I'm going to tell you something. In God's economy, it is. What we do back here has everything to do with what happens up here. Preparing ourselves for what could come. Um, let me give you two more verses. Just, just jot these down. 2 Timothy 2.15 the Bible says that we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. Students hate that verse, and I totally get it. Nobody likes that verse. 
But we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. And in Luke 6, 45, Jesus said this. He says, out of the good stored up in a man, he brings the good out. So, obviously, you've got to put it in before you can take it out. Okay? Preparation. Preparation is a good thing. Um, and now let me tell you this. It's going to sound like I'm just playing semantics, but I'm not. I'll explain it to you. Um, we can't really prepare for the unexpected. Do you know why? Because it's unexpected. <laughs> you love that? I'm preparing for the unexpected. What are you doing? I don't really know because it's unexpected. You can't prepare for the unexpected. Now, you've got friends that financially try to prepare for the unexpected. They try to save as much money as they possibly can in case something happens later. And so if you sit down and talk to them and say, well, how much money do you think you'll need when something happens? They'll say, probably a little bit more than I've saved. You can't really prepare for the unexpected, but here's what you can do. You can prepare before the unexpected. You can prepare yourself. This is really about, spiritually speaking, this is about preparing ourselves in faithfulness to God. And that's what we learned about with David, right? He was faithful to keep the sheep. He was faithful to fight the lion. He was faithful to fight a bear. So when he was presented with an unexpected situation in this really tall, hairy dude named Goliath, he didn't freak out. Everybody else freaked out because they had also had a proven track record of being wussies. But David had a track record of being faithful. And so he saw the giant and said, I'm pretty sure we can take care of that one too. But he, he couldn't. He wasn't at home like going through this awesome rocky montage of training clips and songs getting ready to fight a giant because he had, how could he have known? He couldn't have a specific regiment training thing, diet that he followed to make sure that he was in the best possible shape to fight a giant named Goliath. He had no idea that was coming. But he had proven himself in faithfulness. Do you understand the difference? Sometimes we, we, we prepare with, we're so afraid of something that could happen that we try, we put all of our energy into that. If I could just be ready for that. And we never take care of the faithfulness to God. You got to prepare before the unexpected. So here's number two. Um, we declare during the unexpected. Um, let me just, I need to read this to you. This is confidence. I want you to hear the confidence in David's words. When he goes out to face the giant for the very first time, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, we'll just start in verse 41. It says this, Meanwhile, the Philistine, that's Goliath, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. So he's looking for a fight. He's moving a little bit closer. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome. I, I don't know how much like David paid somebody to put ruddy and handsome in there. Wasn't that cool? Like, hey, add that, right? Ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, I don't know how you are, but I know how I am. I'm a, I'm a boy. He's a giant. He's going to tear me apart and give my flesh to the birds and to the beasts of the field. My knees are knocking at this point. I'm hoping I'm wearing dark pants, Right? And, and here's what David said, and, and just listen to what David says to a giant. Because David, before this ever happened, has prepared himself in faithfulness to God. He says this, 
You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. I love that. This is like the little short guy in high school that nobody liked, right? Because he's like a bulldog. He's wearing the shirt that says it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog, right? This is him. This is David. And he's looking at this giant who's like two to three times his size. And the giant says to David, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds. And David says, ha, is that the best you got, seriously? Because I'm going to kill you and all your army. And I'm going to give all y'all's flesh to the birds. And I'm going to cut your head off. Ha! Confidence. What we call this is, is a declaration. And I want to make sure that I explain this, okay? Because declaration is a little bit of a weird word in the church today. Um. What do we mean when we say declaration? Here's the origin in the Latin. It simply means this, to make clear. Like the Declaration of Independence. Have you read it? It's a very clear document. We're out of here. It's basically what it's saying. We don't need you anymore. We declare our independence. It's a very clear document. It's the way when we declare our love for someone. It's clear. I've done a few weddings. The vows are clear. You don't want them to be hard to understand. You're declaring love. David doesn't know the details of how what he just said is going to happen, but he's clear that God's going to give that giant to him in victory. He declares that. All, all we really know about declare is, well, I do declare, right? Well, I declare. So what all the real true southern women say, I declare. We declare things. And so, now, I want to make sure that we understand, um, I've been on the fence about this for a while, declarations are a very, very big buzzword in the church, okay? You'll hear people say, here's the top ten things you should declare to yourself every day. And I've really struggled with this because I think that we've taken the declaration truth and we've kind of changed it and made it fit our little routine and what we want. Um, and that's not at all what God intended. So I want to make sure, I've got two videos that I'm going to show you. Um, one, the, the, cr- the crowd that's, oh, I don't know, maybe like mm, 45-ish and above is going to get. And the others of you will be like, I don't know who that is. But then the second one will get all of you, okay? And the reason we're going to do this, and we're just just going back to back, if that's cool. I just want to make sure you understand, this is what declarations are not, okay? Let's go ahead and and roll those. Okay, so let's talk about what declarations are not. (laughs) Declarations are not about your ability or about what you wish was your ability. And so sometimes that's kind of how we pitched it. If you'll just say this phrase over and over again with a lot of gusto and belief and faith, it will come true. And that's not what a declaration is at all. It's not about you. I deserve this. I should get this. 
I am a king's kid, I am all these things. It's not about you. You saw that in the Stuart Smalley clip. Everything he said was about him. And I love the Buzz Lightyear clip because here's a toy that really wants to fly. And he's just convinced, if I just believe it hard enough, I'll fly. No, that's not true at all. So here's what, here's what I've done. On the back of your sheet, I've given you some, some declarations that I wrote on my blog a few months back. Um, do I have to read these out loud every day? No. No. But I'm going to tell you something. Those eight declarations are about what Jesus has done for us. And I don't know how you are, but when I, when I need confidence, I'd rather not put it in myself. I'd rather put it in Jesus. And so those eight declarations, those are just things you can say to yourself. You don't have to look in the mirror and talk like Stuart Smalley, but just to read those and to remember the scriptures behind them and what Jesus has done for you already. I mean, that right there, that will change your perspective in the middle of the unexpected. Because suddenly it's not about you. See, we, because, because we can't prepare for the unexpected, we can prepare ourselves before the unexpected in faithfulness to God. We do that before the unexpected. You know what we do in the, in the unexpected? We declare our faith in God. When, when the boys were born, um, like I said, I didn't get to cut the umbilical cord. We didn't get to hold them. They whisked them away. Like, I don't know what the clue is to you that something's not right. But when they take your kids and you don't get to hold them, you don't get the mom picture, something's not right. And so we went a whole night. Like, they'd come, kind of come back and say, you know, I mean, they're, they're doing okay. You know, we'll, we'll, you can see them maybe tomorrow. So they're trying to set us at ease, but we know nothing, something's not right. The next morning, we walked in to see Parker and Will. I, I was the good dad. I had my, my video camera ready. I, I can't even show you pictures or video of what we saw when we walked in there because we were so blown away by what we saw. Because what we walked into was Will looking perfect, except really, really small. And Parker's right leg, his foot was here. Like, if you could just take my leg and do that. It's hot in here. My kid. If you could just do that, that's, that's what his leg looked like. Like the first thing I thought was, he's going to be a punter. Like, <laughs> then, then I thought, how's he going to walk? And the whole time I'm holding a video camera, like we don't even take video because it's just freaking us out. Like then I walked over to the nurse and I was like, um, is, is this normal? She's like, yeah. I don't see anybody else like that. She's like, it's probably how he was for nine months, which then I'm like bound to Parker. Wow, that's amazing. You're like seven months in the womb, like doing a split. That's crazy. He's going to hop down the high school hall just like this. Nobody's going to make fun of him. See, like, what I'm telling you is this. In that time, in that moment, in that kind of unexpected situation, here's what we didn't do. We didn't turn to each other and say, you're the best mom. You're the best dad. You got this. You're going to raise a boy, and you're going to hold him like this all the time. You're going to carry him around, set him, lean him against walls. You got this. Now, what we found ourselves saying were things like, oh, God, 
I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to do something. Because this is the God that we've seen. It took us seven years to get pregnant. And the whole, well, we, her. It took seven years for Wendy to get pregnant. And you came through in a miraculous way twice. And now we sit in an emergency room in a, in a NICU. And we've got two sons that we didn't expect that we'd ever get to have. They came earlier than we ever expected. This is an entirely unexpected situation. And now our son's going to talk on a cell phone with it in his foot. And I don't know how you're going to fix that, but somehow you've proven yourself faithful, and we are going to put all of our faith in you. And if I'd have had those declarations on the back of your sheet, I'd have been in my car reading them. Because it's not about me. You've got to understand something. Unexpected times are kind of supposed to make us feel like we can't handle it. Because we can't. They're supposed to point us to Jesus, because He can That's when we declare how good God is. We prepare in faithfulness to God before the unexpected. We declare our faith in God during the unexpected. And then when it's over, I love the fact that we get to share after the unexpected. We get to tell the stories. A lot of churches call these testimonies, and that's a good word. We like to call them stories. And the reason I like the word stories is because he's still writing your story. He's still writing my story. Sometimes we tell testimonies like this. Well, I was really struggling, and then God delivered me, and then we like cheer, woo! And then those people walk out and struggle again, and we want to call them liars. But God's writing a story in our lives. Some chapters are awesome, and some chapters, not so much. But there's always another chapter coming, and He's always writing it. And so when we go through unexpected times, we get to share the story over and over and over again. I love 1 Samuel. When it's all said and done, I'll let you read it for yourself later. 1 Samuel 17. David does cut off Goliath's head. He does hold up Goliath's head, blood everywhere, and they do rout the enemy. So if you can picture this, okay? On one hill is the Israelite army. On the other hill is the Philistine army. And the way it would work is one man would go down here, and that was Goliath. He was really big. And they would say this. Look, instead of all of us just fighting each other and killing each other, that's stupid. We'll pick one guy, you pick one guy, they'll fight, whoever wins, wins. And so they arranged this knowing that Goliath was huge, like he could touch the vents probably. So he goes down, nobody else is going to come down, David eventually goes down. So here they are in this valley with their nations behind them, all the armies behind them. Just picture this. And David kills him, runs at him, slings the rock, the whole deal, I know we heard it in kids, in, in Sunday school, all that stuff growing up. But it's a fantastic story. Kills the, kills the giant, takes the giant's own sword, probably like, boom, cuts his head off. And he's standing in a valley, and he holds the head up. Now, the Bible doesn't say, I don't know where he shows the head first. I think he just like showed it to the Philistines. It's like some kind of mooning thing. In the Bible, like, ha, there's your, the head of your best guy. And now they're gasping. He turned around and went, check it out. And he got to watch his entire army, all these people that were wussies about 30 minutes ago, come running down the hill, running past him while he's still holding the head. And he gets to turn and watch that whole army face and chase that army as far as they can. 
I would love to be that guy. Now, when you go through something like that, you don't typically just walk out and go home and your wife's like, so how was the war? It's a good day. Do you? I mean, I know like as men, we're like men of few words, right? Get a promotion, get a fantastic raise, get a new company car. You're not going home saying, eh, work was okay. You're telling the story. You're telling your wife all about it. Like, he called me up on the phone. He like intercom. He sent me to come in. I thought for sure I was going to be in trouble. I sat down. I was kind of starting to sweat a little bit. And he was like, we've never had an employee as good as you. And I just want to give you these keys to the new car. And here's a bonus check. And here's your new office keys. And it's right down there in the corner window view. That's fantastic. You tell her everything. This is the one time in your life that your wife is telling you, shut up. Because it's so good. And not only did David tell the story, but the Bible says in the very next chapter, that here's what people would say about David. First Samuel 18, 6, he says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with tambourines and, and lutes. So they come out to greet Saul, he's the king, but they sing David's theme song. Do you have a theme song? Wouldn't it be awesome if you had it? The president has a theme song. How cool would it be if you had your very own soundtrack? And every time you walked into Pizza Hut, start playing your song. I don't have a song. I don't know what it would be. I don't even want to guess. Please don't guess for me. But he had a song. Everywhere David went, people would sing this. And not just people, women. Hello. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now that song eventually gets David in trouble because Saul gets so mad and jealous that they're singing about how good David is and not so much about how good he is. It's a whole nother time for a whole nother sermon. But today, I want you to understand something. They told the story. They told the story. They told the story of how faithful God was. I know right now they're singing about David. They're talking about how great he is. But here's the thing that Wendy and I learned. There's not a day that's gone by since that time that we have looked at each other and said, our greatness pulled us through. And, and listen, this is a fun, unexpected time. I mean, we're going to celebrate today outside where it's going to be hot 16 years with two amazing young men. But we could talk right now about unexpected times like I had a mom and a brother that died. And some of you have had those kind of times where they're unexpected and they don't, they're not around anymore. You, you're, you're laid off, you're fired, you, ha you have a car accident, you suddenly hear the C word from the doctor. We've, we could talk about all day long about unexpected times that don't feel like they're going to end well. And now what I want you to understand is this. When that happens, you're supposed to not be able to handle it. That's why we serve God. And when it's all said and done, because unexpected times are so good at pointing out how we cannot handle it, when it's time to share the story, we don't share the story of our faithfulness to God. We share the story of God's faithfulness to us. If David could stop those women from singing, he said, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Yes, I've killed tens of thousands of people. But don't you remember what I said to that giant? It's not because of me. It's because I serve the God who can kill tens of thousands of people. And my confidence is in God. And when you start to share the story of what he's done in the unexpected times, you'll find yourself talking less about you 
and more about his faithfulness. Let me give you the big idea, and then we'll start to wrap it up. Today's big idea is this. God's faithfulness is reflected in the unexpected. God's faithfulness is reflected in the unexpected. Here's what that means. It means that what you're facing right now that you did not expect to happen means that you are in the perfect place for God's faithfulness to be seen. Let me tell you one, one last really quick story about this whole situation with our kids. Because I was youth pastor at the time, I had group insurance, you know, through the church, but we didn't have a maternity rider. Um, maternity riders are stupid, and here's what I found. I would call every insurance company I could, say, hey, um, do you have, like, maternity insurance? And they're like, yeah, we got this thing called a maternity rider. Oh, sweet. Like, how's that work? We get a car or something? They're like, no, it's got nothing to do with a car. Shut up. So I said, here's how it works. You'll have insurance with us, and then you'll send us like an extra $200 a month. And then if you do that for a year and don't get pregnant within another um, three months after that, then you can get 80% of that money towards your delivery. I remember, the, I remember the, I'd had like five conversations that went just like this. And the fifth one, I was so tired of it. I was like, hold on, do you have a calculator there with you? Um, no. Well, okay, I do. Let me do some math for you. So what you're saying is, if I could just put $200... To give it to you, it's $2,400 at the end of the year. i got to wait another three months. I'm about $3,000 in, right? And she goes, yeah. And I'm going to get 80% of that towards medical coverage for the birth? Yeah. It's like, what if I just put that in the bank? Well, we would frown on that. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Goodbye. Now, I get it. Like, we went through an experience where our bills were much bigger than $3,000. And so it's good that we had insurance, and here's how we had it. Somehow or another, I find this place called the Doctors. Never heard of them before. Sounds like a cult, but it wasn't. It was an insurance company, and they had this fantastic insurance policy that was exactly what Wendy and I needed, and so we got it. We jumped all over that thing. Then we have Parker and Will. Now, they're supposed to be in the hospital for months and months and months. Instead, Will, because God is, um, man, God is so, so good. Parker goes home at day 11. Will goes home at day 16. They told us that Will would have all kinds of trouble. He'd need oxygen, all this kind of stuff. He had a CPAP one night, not even the whole night, and that was it. Look at them today. They're perfectly healthy, fantastic boys. They love to just get on each other's nerves. They're normal. The bill was something like, I don't know, in the $100,000 range, which I'm a youth pastor. We don't have. Here's what I want you to understand. To this day, and it's something I cannot even remotely explain to you how it happened, that insurance company, we paid our $500 deductible, and they paid everything else. Now, go home today and Google the doctors. You won't find them. I couldn't find them like months after the bill was paid. They're gone. Now, I don't know that God created an insurance company just for me and Wendy. But I like to tell the story as if he did, because I think it's pretty cool. God is faithful. Not just to me and Wendy, but to you as well. There's a verse in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 43, 2. It is so true. It says this. When you walk through the water, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And that's the, that's the story that God will tell through your life. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what 
maybe you're in the middle right now of an unexpected circumstance. But I'm going to tell you right now, we have seen in our lives, in this one situation for sure, that I'm thinking about today because I'm getting ready this morning, I'm getting dressed, I'm looking at pictures, I'm just like, I'm a mess at how faithful God's been in our lives over 16 years. In a way that I do not deserve and could not have earned, and only God and His greatness could have blessed me with these kind of boys. He has this awesome ability of coming through in unexpected times. And if I could just take out all that I've learned about God in the hard places and pour that into you, my prayer today is that you would walk out with your head high, knowing without a doubt that God is not wringing his hands wondering what to do in your unexpected situation. He saw it coming. And if you have prepared yourself beforehand in faithfulness to God and you declare your faith in God during it, when it's all said and done, you're going to get to share the story of God's faithfulness to you. Just like I'm doing this morning. You're going to get to share the story of how he's been faithful to you. And people will receive grace when you tell it. And God will receive glory as well. Because God's faithfulness is reflected in the unexpected.